Welcome to another episode of Towel Light Talk. Uh, this episode we're going to be talking about our favorite role-playing video games. Um, this is Casey, and with me, we're going to go around this way. <laughs> Introduce yourself. My name's Dan. Thanks, Dan. Uh, my name's Jackie. My name's Colin, a.k.a. GamerSense. And my name is Don. You'll remember me from such great podcasts as the one that happened last week. They might not know that. There was another one, too. So, from our video game. You know him as Last Ursa on Don't Forget a Towel. Jackie's the Mirrick on Don't Forget a Towel. Um, so, our resident video gamers from Don't Forget a Towel here. And, um... Anyway, so we're going to kind of go around and talk about uh, some of our favorite role-playing video games. And since... I'm just going to start it off since nobody else wants to and they're afraid to. Um, I'm going to start it off with Chrono Trigger. Um, Super Nintendo, one of the best games I've ever played in my entire life. Uh, amazing soundtrack. The time travel thing is awesome. Um, I don't think I've ever played a more enriching game. Plus, multiple endings and I believe... It's the first game and one of the first games that ever features New Game Plus. What does everyone else? I don't know. You guys like <laughs> Chrono Trigger? When it comes to Chrono Trigger, it's one of those things that's literally sitting on my iPad right now, waiting to play after I saw video games live and I heard the awesome soundtrack. And that is where I stand with Chrono Trigger, nice. sadly. <laughs> I think for the time, Chrono Trigger was one of the, probably was the most complicated RPG game when it came out. Absolutely. Uh, just the sheer number of things that you could do in that game from a battle standpoint, the time travel aspect, the party building, um, all the things that you could do with it were way ahead of its time. And realistically, I mean, I don't really think any game has really kind of mimicked itself with some of the things that they did. The team-up attacks were very unique in that game. Um, so many different things that they did very unique. I mean, the only thing that's kind of unfortunate is the game hasn't really particularly aged all that well. Um, and I think that's just more of a graphical thing than anything else. Um, I would love, I would love, 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 and so would many other people, would love to see either an HD or just another game in the series. Um, they don't, we don't typically talk about Chrono Cross all that much. Um, so... I don't... I, I actually like Chrono Cross as well. Yeah. Um... Only because, it, no, it's not as good, but it had the better graphics. I think it was on the original PlayStation. Um, so I liked that, and I liked that you could still use the different team-up as far as fighting. Um, you know, the X-Strike thing came back. So I I don't know. I've just never played a better role-playing game. I don't care for the art style. What's the... It's the, the Dragon Ball... Dragon Ball Z artist. It's kind of... It's a Square Enix game, though. But that's that's the artist, though, who did all the artwork did for he it. Really? Yeah. Uh. He did it for that, and he's also done it for the vast majority of the Dragon Quest games, and I, I, at least for me, oh. I don't particularly care for that art style. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I like those games, too. But that's not on my list. The Dragon Quest. Um, Alright, so mine is Chrono Trigger. You guys not played it. I personally have not played it. Um, I will say, though, when I heard it also at New Games Live music, it got me intrigued, and I probably will try to play it eventually, but yeah, I have not touched it at all yet. <laughs> you will like it. I have not personally played it, but it has been recommended to me by other people, so it will be something that eventually, if it is on Virtual Console, my Wii U, I probably will get it. Another reason to get a Wii U. Yes, exactly. I have a Wii U. It's on, it's on Virtual Console. 
Well, I haven't gotten it yet. That's what I'm saying. You I should, need to you get, get one. You should get a Wii U. <laughs> or you can get it for your iPad. That's how I have it. I don't have an iPad, though. Yeah. My husband does. I don't. I think you can probably sway him. Um, <laughs> all right, so who's next on the list? All right. Let's let's jump right into it. We started with Square Enix. So, um, to be fair, we could do an entire podcast on the Final Fantasy series. In fact, we probably could do it on each individual game. Um, I am the capital Square Enix fanboy and love everything that they've put out pretty much with two major exceptions. Don's face is you, at you, Square you Enix. You are a fanboy of Final Fantasy and Square Enix? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I say this while having a Final Fantasy VIII shirt and also have ones from 7 and 9 and should have one for 10. Um, ironically, though, so my favorite Final Fantasy game is 8 um, of all of them. Um, just for a number of reasons, I loved the battle system in 8. I thought the Guardian Force system was the most graphically appealing and satisfying um, of the systems that they've had. Um, really, like, 7 had a really satisfying summoning system. 9 had a, sum uh, a satisfying summoning system. Pretty much anything after that, though, it got very convoluted in how they did the summons, and it wasn't as fun um, and it wasn't as effective either. Um, Eight's storyline is phenomenal, which kind of goes in line. I mean, really, 7, 8, 9, and 10, and including some of the earlier ones too, a lot of people love 6. Um, really just great storylines, all of them. Um, 7's been by far the one that's been the most explored, uh, with movies and side games and all that other stuff. Um... The only ones that I've beaten are actually... I've beaten 10. 10 was phenomenal. Um, probably one of the few games I've ever gotten emotional at the end. Um, and I've beaten 13 and 13 too, which are both very good. Um, I was going to say, have you played Tactics? Tactics is great. Okay. Um, a very different style of game. Um, also not as hugely dedicated to a story, although there is one. Yeah. Um... But that's also a really cool series that is a major way, kind of a throwback to the older styles of the game. Um, the two games that I hate with a passion, well, I hate 12 with a passion. Um, I really tried to play through 12, and it got to the point where I could not. I just despised the battle system. They ripped it right off of Kingdom Hearts, which I don't care for as a series. Um, and it's just, a, it's a program to win, uh, system. So I never really cared for 12. I did not like it at all. Um, and, uh, the other one, the other one that I really don't care for right now is 13. The third one, Lightning Returns, because it's based on a clock. And I hate playing an RPG that has a timer. What's the point? Yeah, the, ti the timer, because I think it kind of flies in the face of the whole RPG mechanic. It's, there's a world there to be explored, there's a storyline to be explored, and if you're under a time crunch, it's just like trying to get through a really impossible level in, like, Super Mario within a specific time frame, and that's annoying. I'll say that for any game with a clock on it that you have to beat with a certain time, I know this will kind of be brought up when I go through mine, but I consider Assassin's Creed a little bit of an RPG, but everyone's cringing right now. <laughs> the grunting is coming. One, one, <laughs> one of the things I hate the most, though, of any mission, this goes for any game, is where you have to complete it under a timer. I like to explore. So being in that time crunch, I just absolutely hate it. 
And I think there's a big difference, right? So, like, in a lot of games where, like, there's multiple missions, like, and things like that, where you can take a mission that has a time limit, and its effect is to build tension, right? Or there's a reason why it's there. If it's one mission, it's one mission. I can I can understand why they do it, and it, it has its, its desired effect. If the entire game is on a clock, it's like, okay, so you clearly don't want me to experience this beyond the the main storyline, essentially, is what they're telling you. you got to be careful with that, though. I mean, one of the most popular games and most beloved games of all time is Majora's Mask, which, from what I understand, is a timed game where you have, what, three days to save this town, save the kingdom from a moon that's crashing? Granted, I'm talking as a guy who's never actually played anything beyond a demo, but it's still one of the most beloved. Hell, it just got a reboot in terms of HD for 3DS, and... People love the fact that this is a timed game. The whole story is to save the, the world before it comes crashing down in a certain amount of days. I think the big difference, though, between a game like Zelda, where um, they're giving you that, is that Zelda notoriously has not had, like, the plots in all of them are not connected, but they're very similar, right? Same cast of characters, usually. Some minor tweaks and things here have gone on. Every Final Fantasy game is completely different. There is nothing the same except for Chocobos and Moogle show up. And there's always a character named Sid. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, beyond that, it's not the same. So you're literally going through and exploring everything for the first time. Um... You know, in a game like um, in Majora's Mask, while, yes, there's a clock, um, I'm curious to see, and again, I don't know the details of how Majora's Mask was run, um, as far as how active that clock was, because um, literally in Final Fantasy XIII Lightning Returns, there is a clock on your screen, and it is ticking all the time. There's a Yeah, the clock aspect doesn't... I If I can remember right, you don't, like, die if the clock ends, or it doesn't stop the game. I think it's just there, but I don't believe it's as prevalent as uh, 13.3 where, like, I think the game will just stop existing if you don't beat it in that time. Yeah, I was just saying that, like, Mass Effect 3 technically has kind of, like, a time frame in which you have to complete certain things because if you hit certain plot points too late... Um, you don't have opportunities and you don't have resources available to you. You can still do the mission, but it's not going to be the same. Um, so, like, spoilers, There's if you don't hit the academy at the right time, you're going to lose the assets associated with the academy. If you hit a certain planet at the wrong time, you're not going to get the assets associated with that colony. On the converse, if you hit stuff too early, such as you haven't hit the right morality or whatnot then you can royally screw up the entire universe very, very quickly. So. Damn. Yeah, so I mean, the time mechanic, again, it's it's one of those things where it can be used to affect, um, I think for my benefit, I would much rather see a time in the background and not showing in my face every minute. That's kind of more so how it is in Mass Effect 3, but like you said, you can still hit all those aspects if you do it correctly. Yeah. So in that sense, it, like I said, it's not as prevalent whatsoever. Yeah. Right. It's not breathing down your neck, mm-hmm. but you are aware that if I don't do this like soon or in the right sequence... Which you can always check up on at any given time. Exactly. Right. They make it friendly. Yeah. All right. Dan? Sure. Um, I guess I'll go to one of my points I already made, the fact that <laughs> I do think that Assassin's Creed is a little bit of an RPG. 
Um, you do have a lot of aspects of an RPG in there, especially the later games. You now have more of a, quote, skill tree, in a sense, where you can choose different weapons. Depending on which weapons you use, you can drastically change the way combat works, even. Um, I, For Unity, I stuck with the classic sword and pistol for most of the time, but you can use a long rifle for most of the game. Um, and also, for me, an RPG also has a very strong storyline, which most of the Assassin's Creed games do have. I say most because Black Flag and Unity didn't really stick to the main storyline like 1 through 3 did. Yes, Colin? I'm just going to say that if you're going to throw Black Flag under the bus... That one stands as my second favorite next to two. Well, I love Black Flag, but it doesn't attribute to the main storyline arc that one through three did. Three was the last game where it had the main Desmond storyline. Well, that that was just more Ubisoft going, we don't know what to do with ourselves now because we've worn out the Desmond Miles story. Yes, I love that storyline. Yes. But I, I don't understand the whole concept of being an RPG because you're you're not really progressing the characters as much as you would in something like Final Fantasy or in even something like Deus Ex uh, Human Revolution. Okay, your, your, your choices, every so often you're leveling up, and in that level you make a choice on how the character's going to go. Where in Unity, you're just purchasing armor and equipment. That's different. You're not building how your character progresses as a certain certain archetype. You're just building how they progress with certain weapons and equipment. That's very different. Depending on the weapons and equipment, though, you play your character differently as well in Unity. True, but then you can just change your weapons at another time and your equipment, and suddenly they play in a different style. That is a very fair point. And I think as far as the other big thing is that I think we're focusing a lot of time on mechanics and battle. Um, mechanics, but I think another really key point of a lot of RPGs is character interaction um, being a major part of that. Um, some RPGs do this better than others, and this is kind of more of a stylistic comparison where you'll see in like JRPGs there is a flat storyline, right? If you have very little influence, really, in most JRPGs of how the story is going to end. Um, as opposed to Western RPGs, where you look at games like Mass Effect and Dragon Age, and you have direct control over what's going on in those worlds um, in that writing style. So I think that, but character interaction is huge in these types of games. Can I ask a question? What does everyone define what makes an RPG? So I'll kick us off. Um, <laughs> for me, one of the biggest things is a storyline. A game that could be defined more as an RPG does have those choices that you can make to go to the different points of storyline. Like you said, that is mostly Western RPGs, but for me, that's a fairly important aspect. Um, a well-developed battle system, where it's just not kind of point-and-click type thing, um, and those are really the main things that I look for when I see an RPG. Um, I, would, I would second the strong storyline. Also, character development. Your storyline is not necessarily linear, but your character has a direct influence on how everything is played, whether it's the class that they play, to some extent, the gear that they select, the skills that they develop, etc., leveling systems, um, and those key points, which is kind of how, much to to Colin's chagrin, I kind of agree with Dan about Assassin's Creed, um... With, with those elements involved. 
and I'll just kind of jump back in just for one point for develop character development also, is that your character becomes yours. That's why I also really enjoy games where you'll spend 15, 20 minutes, a half an hour, just changing how your character looks at the beginning of an RPG because you want it to become yours. And as the game progresses, you'll want to play through it multiple times just to make different characters based on those choices. Which I will say that is one point where Assassin's Creed fails is because you'll play through once and you won't really want to play it again. And that's where you took the words right out of my mouth because my definition of an RPG, very much, again, we were coming back to story. That is a very strong suit. But for me, I feel that the personal character development is the most important aspect. And now, like Don was saying, Western RPGs have a lot to do with choice and how you shape the whole story. For me personally, the thing that makes me feel like I'm really involved in an RPG is the choices not just in the story, but in how my character is going to progress as a certain archetype, but also as a person themselves. And say, for instance, my absolute favorite, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. That still stands as my favorite RPG because you're shaping the entirety of that story, but also what kind of abilities are you going to have and how is that going to impact your party that you're going to make around that? How are your choices going to define you as a person? And as much as I love the Assassin's Creed series, I'm a huge fan of it, I would never say it's an RPG because you're not shaping Desmond, you're not shaping um, you know, Altair or any of the other characters in that. You are just a participant in this story. And there's even points where it says, oh, hey, this guy didn't hurt these people in the past. He didn't kill this. If you do it this way, you've fallen out of sync. That's, to me, not an RPG. That's a linear story that says this is how the character is supposed to be. Um, just really quick, Colin, based on that definition, you've basically disqualified all of the Final Fantasy series, and you've, dis- you've discounted all of the Legend of Zelda series. Um, you've discounted a lot of games that are considered the archetypes of RPGs. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> You broke everything, Colin. I will throw in one good thing also about Knights of the Republic. What other game can you have a party member call you a meatbag the entire time? Mm-hmm. Borderlands. <laughs> very, very close to it. Very close to it. So, what I was thinking is that, yeah, what, what Colin said, I, you know, you do get rid of Zelda, you definitely get rid of um, all Final Fantasies, is it is it because of Bioware that we are even having this conversation about really defining what's a different RPG? Because, well, in the sense, like, I don't remember before Bioware in the choice systems even playing RPGs like that. There are some. Um, Deus Ex is a perfect example. Um, the old Deus Ex. The old Deus Ex for the PC, but um, even those choices did not. It wasn't as heavy impact. No, and this is a this is a bigger difference between Eastern and Western developers more than anything else. Because <laughs> I mean, I can throw out developers, you know, JRPG developers, where all of their games are you you play as a character. Rather than making a character your own, you are playing as one of those characters in that game, following his story, which is already written and predetermined, but you are following their story and you are playing that role. So it's a difference between creating the role yourself as you play the game versus playing the role that's already there. Which I can say that my favorite RPG of all time, and you may disagree, is the first one that I ever played, which was Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. Every Mario game 
Mario doesn't make choices that change how his quest goes. His story has already been planned from beginning to end. There's someone he needs to save, or some criteria he has to meet in order to finish this game. But the, the components of that is building your team, picking the right people for the right battle. Am I taking Bowser on this one, or am I taking Mallow, or am I leaving Princess Peach out of it completely because... Personally, I felt that she was useless in most scenarios, <laughs> and that and that pains me because it was the first one of the first times, I guess, other than Super Mario Two, where you could actually play as Princess Peach, which was awesome in that one. Not so great in Super Mario RPG, but I will jump off my soapbox and let the conversation continue. <laughs> I will say that those bring memories of some of the older RPGs I played. Um, I know Don, you alluded to this earlier in saying you were not a fan of the fighting system, but one of the first ones I remember playing is Kingdom Hearts. Um, I have no objections to that. I, I just want to say right out of the gate, like, I will not deny that the Kingdom Hearts series is a good good series. Like, it absolutely is. It has a compelling storyline. It's interesting. It's unique. I hate the battle system. That doesn't discredit whether no, or not it's an RPG. I just hate the battle system. That's completely fair. <laughs> and I will say, I finished playing Kingdom Hearts 1 when I was in 8th grade. I remember that. Um, I never got into Kingdom Hearts 2. I want to get 2.5 Remix before Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out to actually play through it, but I am still excited that 3 comes out. Um, The other one that I remember playing um, for, I think it was the DS, original DS, um, or no, I think it was actually Game Boy Advance, actually. Um, I think it was Golden Sun. Mm -hmm. Love that game to death. Um, My favorite thing for the summons in that game, because for, it was the Advance, for the Advance, it had some of the best graphics for the summon... um, Tell me out. The summon... I can't think of the word. Monsters, whatever. Yeah, some monsters. Yeah. The, the, the cutscenes. Yeah, yeah, Couldn't even think of that word. Yeah. For the summon cutscenes, some of the best that I've ever seen on the Advance. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that the, that's just a really rewarding aspect of of those games when they came out. I mean, 7 and 8, Final Fantasy 7 and 8 were very much the same way. It's just very rewarding kind of things that, you know, you just... I mean, I just remember at 8, because there was like probably 20, 30 of them somewhere in that ballpark of different summons that you could use, and they were essential to the gameplay. Like, that's the other aspect of it. It wasn't just, like, really cool things that you needed to use them. Um, And it was just really kind of cool that, you know, they were just really cool-looking things. Um, So, I mean, I think ultimately what we're kind of hitting again and again is that, really, it's it's a regional development thing rather than it, it... it being defining of the genre. I mean, we haven't even talked about, you know, so many other games that are considered RPGs. Roguelikes are a perfect example. Um, you know, you look at games like Di- like the Diablo series. There's another whole set that's very different, right? Um, so, I mean, I think that RPG is very broad, and you really can apply it to a lot of different things, um, and everyone's entitled to their opinion. I will say, for example, I don't think the Legend of Zelda series is an RPG. That's my personal opinion. I think it's an adventure game. Um, similar in the vein to Mario. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I, I actually don't think it's a West versus East thing. I think that West does certain things, but I think they're all over the place. Whereas like most JRPGs are the exact same thing. Not to say that it's anything bad, because I love them, but it's like, you are that character, you follow that story, you do that thing, and that's it. Whereas Western games, like, Bioware gives you choices, but... Whoever is the developer of, I mean, what is it? Ubisoft is uh, Assassin's Creed, which is debatable. Um, Nintendo's doing (laughs) 
Zelda. Um, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many different companies right. on the Western spectrum that are doing RPGs. That I, that right there, I don't agree that it's East versus West. I think that East does one thing, West does a million other things. And right. then where do you find yourself? I think Bioware is very specific in what it does, and I don't think that there's any other companies that are even close to the same level, let alone, like, doing it that way. So I think Bioware can't be considered Western culture. I think there's a lot of other Western games that we're going to call RPGs and that are on our list. Um, Also, at Jackie point, I love Super Mario RPG, and I super fucking love Golden Sun. (laughs) Love that game. I played that so much. Yeah. I will say I never finished the sequel, though. I remember getting stuck uh, on a single level. like a moon or something. Yeah, I remember, I just, remember, I remember the cartridge being blue then. Yeah. Um, but I got stuck on one level, never able to get past it. Damn. I mean, the funny thing is that, honestly, like, if you were to consider, like, <clears throat> if you were to consider the pure RPG, right, like, the definition that I think a number of us were kind of hinting at, I'd probably say the best gaming company that really kind of consistently hits it out of the park, right in line with that definition, is Bethesda. Um, and don't get me wrong, like, I actually don't like any of the Bethesda games, to be quite perfectly honest. I do not (laughs) like Skyrim. I do not like these games. I think they're too open-ended. So I think that's my, you know, and that's my personal taste on this. Um, but I certainly won't deny for a minute that they're RPGs, because they're pretty much the definition of RPGs. I mean, they're pulling them right out of role-playing games. I mean, really, that's where they're pulling that definition and that game, type of gameplay where it's really completely open-ended. Um, that's really where it's coming from. So, I think on that fact, we should probably touch on the origination of it. You mentioned coming right from role-playing games. We're going to have to mention Dungeons & Dragons at some point. Right. I mean, a lot of the original role-playing games, especially for PC, have a combat system with roles taken right from D&D. Yeah, it's right directly based on D&D rules. I mean, Neverwinter Nights, one of the more popular ones that came out for PC, it is D&D. <laughs> All the rules in the background are strictly based on D&D. And I have a wonderful story about Neverwinter. I never actually beat it, because I had my PC glitch, and this is why I always have multiple save files now, because there's job. one time <laughs> where I got to a critical story point where an NPC was supposed to be in the perfect spot, Lo and behold, they weren't there. So I just threw the disc aside and never played it again. But eventually I'll probably go back and play it sooner or later just for nostalgia's sake. Today's lesson, children, is save early and save often. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is also very common in all RPGs. Yes. Streams <laughs> in general. But, yeah. yeah now we, what I find is funny that we're talking about Neverwinter Nights is this... You know, pretty much the definition of role-playing game based off of the D&D series is it's developed by Bioware. You know, they are the Western RPG developers, and they've taken that formula, these gung-ho guys that were, we played D&D on a table, let's put it on a computer, now let's put it on a console. And we were just talking about how they're the ones who are doing it right in the Western style, which is why, more often than not, when you talk about Western-style RPGs, you tend to think of Bioware, you think of Mass Effect, you think of Knights of the Old Republic, you think of Dragon Age, those types of games. Even Jade Empire, a lot of people tend to forget that one. That one's a classic from the old Xbox series. You know, those, those there's a reason why Bioware is so synonymous with RPGs, and it's because they were huge fans of the tabletops. 
And so really it kind of comes down to, when you approach an RPG game, it's really a matter of what kind of experience you want. Do you want to be in the engaging experience where you're really using your imagination and you're writing the story right along playing the game, which there are a myriad of games that have been that from the beginning? Or are you wanting to engage in a game where you are playing a role of a thoroughly fleshed out and detailed storyline that has a place that you are going to end up going, but you are still along for that ride kind of thing. Um, you know, I think that when you get to, I don't think you can use storyline as a definer for RPGs. I really don't think you can because I think that, especially nowadays, right, every game that's coming out has at least some modicum of a compelling storyline. Otherwise, it's getting butchered to death by critics for not having it. Um, you know, it's kind of like how our TV shows are now, right? The death of the sitcom. The fact that every show that comes out now has to have a thoroughly engaging plot. Um, you know, so I think that to base whether or not a game is an RPG based on a storyline, I think isn't fair. And I think there's a number of games that we can use as examples that say, wow, that was a really great storyline. I look at, like, for example, anything Tom Clancy ever put out. He's put out tons of games that have had phenomenal storylines. There have been a number of Call of Duty games where the, I think that these single player campaigns are quite good. I mean, um, the last one, Modern Warfare, was I thought was quite good. Kevin, Kevin Spacey's an awesome Advanced, guy. Advanced Warfare. Oh, Advanced Warfare. I was going to say, Thank you. Advanced Warfare, that's one of the better campaigns for any FPS that I've ever played. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so, I mean, it's, it's certainly a very important element, but I don't think it defines the genre. I will say, I think it's a square rectangle argument, right. if you will. Right. I agree. All right, who's next? Colin? You didn't say yours, right? Well, I, I he kind of it. mentioned it, touched on it, these Knights of the Old Republic series. I, to this day, have three different versions that I've had of it. I have it on my tablet. I have it on my PC. I have it for my original Xbox. And yes, Dan, they do have it for tablets now. They have it for iPhones and for iPads. Well, I just lost a bunch of time. Yeah, 10 bucks. Just throwing that out there, folks. Um... And, and the, the port is actually really good, by the way. It's, it doesn't get very frustrating, which is... There goes cool. hours of my life. Thank yep. you very much. <laughs> um, to this day, despite the fact that you see the graphical difference, and it sometimes can be a little annoying, that, that whole series just took me away and probably ruined my college experience because I started playing that freshman year. <laughs> I didn't even have an Xbox. My brother did, but he had Knights of the Old Republic. I took it from his collection, and I took it with me to school. I borrowed my neighbor's Xbox, put it in my, my roommate's TV, and I just kept playing it because it's very well written. And, and yes, I, I guess... A controlled storyline shouldn't be a definer for an RPG, but a damn good story should be. You know, and again, that doesn't have to that doesn't constitute an RPG as having a good storyline, but an RPG should have a very good one. And how you progress as a character was fantastic. And how you changed the story, how you Evolved and how your choices made after a major plot point. I'm not going to say spoilers in case for some reason in the last decade you have not played this game. But that to me really changed how I approached games. As a kid, I always liked linear stories. I played the Marios, I played the Legend of Zeldas, you know, the adventure games that had a single, a single 
character. But in this case, I was the one controlling this. I was the one making this story happen. And that's when I really fell into RPGs, or I guess in this case, Western RPGs. And I think since then, Bioware has done a phenomenal job with their stories. And they have created a sort of template that a lot of Western RPGs should follow because it's been incredibly successful. The only time it really failed was Dragon Age 2, but that was more EA than Bioware at the time. So I like Dragon, I like Dragon Age 2. Um, so, I kind of going off of what Colin just mentioned, and this kind of throws character development under a bus, <laughs> let's talk about MMORPGs. Oh, boy. Um, so, MMORPGs, I think egregiously throw character development out of the window. I would say that, to my knowledge, there's two games that, that attempted to do it with varying results. One being The Old Republic, um, the other being Final Fantasy XIV. Um, varying results on both of those as far as character development is still not great um, because it's very restrictive and how you would be able to pull that off in a massive multiplayer world. Um, however, um, I would say that the successful ones um, all have had varying levels of compelling storylines, but ultimately I think the defining and what makes this game work is the social structure of the game and the social aspect. Um, I've called it the MMO trap um, for games because of the idea that you will play it up to a certain point, and if you're not playing with other people, you will drop out of that game. Um, you know, it's happened with everyone that I've played. Um, I, ironically, was the one that got my mom hooked on World of Warcraft. She still plays to this day. Um, but, like, I adored Final Fantasy XIV. I thought it was the reboot, to be specific, um, Realm Reborn. But, again, without having other players, it just you, you just can't keep up by yourself, and it's just not as fun. But that's my spiel. For me, to kind of go off what you're talking about, where there really isn't much character development, I, I think for MMORPGs, it's more a focus on the fact that you're a part of a larger world. When I first started getting into that sort of genre, it was, wow, that did it for me. And it was the fact that this world existed, and I was just one small thing in it. And that was the cool thing about it. I wasn't this god person that came out of nowhere to save the land. I was just another person amongst all these other persons that are here to take part in it. And that was what was so appealing about the MMO. You know, varying against games like City of Heroes, which was... To me, I only played it because I got to make my own superhero, you know. But that was one of those worlds where you were just like, okay, here's this copy-paste environment here. Yeah. Here's this <laughs> copy-paste environment there. So with MMOs versus your standard single-player RPGs, it's all about creating an incredibly alluring world rather than an alluring storyline, I think. And I will preempt this by saying I do not think this is an RPG. Second Life? No. <laughs> Close. Um, but a lot of other games are trying to, or I wouldn't say trying to, but are starting to not really rip off, but take aspects of RPGs and plug them into their things. I think the most recent example, which is Destiny, where it's trying to take that MMORPG and that compelling storyline, which most people will agree wasn't that compelling, um, and push that into a game which they then market to hell. 
So they're taking trying to take the success of a lot of RPGs and spin it off into first-person shooters, etc. Let me ask a question. Is The Sims an RPG? No. 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 Simulation. It is borrowing aspects of RPGs because at least with starting with Sims 3... They do have, like, these, like, life fulfillment goals. There's character development. Yeah, there's character development in it, to be sure. And then you have... They speak an unintelligible language. So does Link. (laughs) So does Link. They're collectibles now in Sims 4. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, there's, like, quests and goals and those things. But I would not consider it an RPG. It has elements of RPGs, the customization of the character, the development of the character, et cetera, and so forth, but I don't... Which brings me to the point that other game types are trying... Or I keep saying trying to, but are taking aspects of RPGs and inputting them into different game types. And that's where I think story comes into play. You know, you look at The Sims, you're building a character, you have character creation, you have goals, you have development, but you have no friggin' story. You're just there to exist. You don't have a point other than to exist and stay alive. Whereas in MMOs, where in your standard single-player RPG, there's a point, there's a purpose, there's a drive. I just want to say your initial description of The Sims I know. seems exactly like Borderlands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Don's finally getting on his soapbox. Borderlands has a very developed storyline. Um, <laughs> that's a bit of a stretch. No, it really does. Don's really been waiting does. for this uh, open door to happen for a half hour now. Okay. Which is why we, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> All this top 40 music is so boring. Jeez, I sure wish I had something geeky to listen to. Well, I've got just the thing for you, stranger. Who are you and how did you get in my house? Don't even worry about that. If you're looking for the latest, greatest, and geekiest podcasts around, you should check out Those Geeks You Know. Those Geeks You Know? Wow! Three friends talking about comic books, movies, TV shows, all the things that I geek out about. But seriously, you gotta leave now. Be sure to check out Those Geeks You Know on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter and tell everybody that you know. You gotta leave. I called the cops. I'm Chris. And I'm Casey from Gourmet Scum Radio. We're two cousins talking about geeky pop culture stuff. You a fan of television, music, and movies of the 80s? (laughs) Well, we are too. Do you like being transported to galaxies far, far away and the threat of troglodytes that go boom in the night? Well, we're going to geek out about it. Have you ever scared yourself listening to ska music while reading a comic book and sipping on a tasty Jones soda? Then this is the podcast for you! Gourmet Scum Radio is here to tickle your holes and make you believe in dynamite explosions right again. Make sure to check us out on Stitcher and iTunes. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter and check out our website at don'tforgetatowel.com. You won't regret it! So continuing on with our role-playing game discussion, I wanted to pose a question. Um, is Grand Theft Auto a role-playing game? No. No. Or, uh, uh, absolutely not. By our description of amazing storyline, insane character development, you also have to create your character. You can make them look the way that you want. 
You can upgrade your gear. Online you can, but not no, in the base yeah. game. Not in the base game. You are a single-player character. You were playing that you can make him skinny. You can make him smaller. You can change face. Yes, you can. Not Did anyone five. play San Andreas? Oh, okay. We're, I was talking about five. I we're just. About five I didn't. Four I'm talking three. about Grand Theft Auto. In yeah. general. Wait, Grand, no. No way. But why not? Off of what we all just said. There's no... There's no leveling progression in terms of the character. You are just survive. In five, there more is. There is. There is more of it in five, but it's not as it's not as prevalent as you would in most common RPGs. I'll point out that you just said most common RPGs. Right. Zelda is a common RPG, and you don't do any of the shit you do. Wait, wait, hold on. This. You say you're not saving the world, therefore it is not an RPG. No, I'm just I'm making an argument of of it being a large scale thing. If you look at most what are considered RPGs, you are saving the world, saving the town from some massive thing. Most, I'm sure, and I think this is going to be the really difficult part of discussing what is and what isn't. Right, right, because there's <laughs> always exceptions to the rule. So. I think the biggest thing with why Grand Theft Auto is not an RPG, I think it goes back to two things. One, there is... um, The narrative does not have the feel of an RPG. That's debatable. Right. Of course. Because of the feeling of an RPG, yet again, Super Mario RPG is an RPG. Does it feel like Knights of the Old Republic? No. But it has a narrative that you could draw parallels to. And some open world elements. Right. So you're not like, once you're done in the Mushroom Kingdom, you can never go back to the Mushroom Kingdom. You can go back to the Mushroom Kingdom whenever you want. But if I'm in a Rockstar game, it's all open world. Now, if you were to make a case and say whether Red Dead Redemption or, you what? know. <laughs> but how is it any different than, and believe me, Red Dead Redemption's on like top five best games of all time. Yes. Right. I will never debate how great that game is. But still, Grand Theft Auto... I think Grand Theft Auto, I look at it in terms of its battle system and adversaries. Tons you, of adversaries. E, the, there is not a persistent adversary in the world. Um, there okay. isn't one at So all. you're saying like there's no Ganondorf? There's, there's no, no bad guy. Okay. So that's one part of it. I would say it falls in line more of simulation than it does RPG. I would say adventure. Very much I don't know if I'd story. say adventure. I'd say more action. Um, I, it's adventure. Kind of feels like more of a start and end. I never got that feeling from GTA. Bringing this up just from the perspective of I've been playing a lot of Saints Row lately. GTA's bastard cousin. It's <laughs> <laughs> Which whatever. Believe me, it's a it's, parody game. It's hilarious. It's a great game. It's a great, it's a great game. game. I actually thought about this at length on my way over here. Go on. So with it, yeah, you can customize your character. You can level up your abilities, even more, than and so Saints forth. Row. Yeah, yeah. Saints Row Four, like it's the closest you come to an RPG that the series has. Right. However, you're you don't have really a skill tree, and you don't really level up in the traditional sense where like different things come into play because. Basically, it just makes it easier for you to play the game. It doesn't change who you are necessarily as a character, your abilities as a character, unless you start getting into like different elements and things like that. But it's not like 
this is going to make you more roguelike, this is going to make you more tank-like, this is going to make you more mage-like. Like, it's none of that. It's just basically like, oh, you can run on water. You don't have to steal as many cars now. You but can if, fly longer. if you're in Deus Ex and you're upgrading your character to have, like, better jumping ability, better, mm-hmm. you can run faster, yeah. you can sneak better... It's still an RPG. But, like, and, and I would draw parallels to say, like, I would say, for example, Watch Dogs is a better case for an RPG than GTA is. I would make an argument saying Infamous, and the whole Infamous series is a better case of an RPG than GTA is. They're persistent bad guys. There's very clearly defined trees of skills, yeah. all those kinds of things. You are playing that character and following his story throughout the entire time. Like, those kinds of things come into play. But with Saints Row, I think it comes the closest to being like a Bioware RPG in the fact that you have have choices and you've also got a party of people that you actually care about as you're playing the game. What? Sorry, go ahead. Um, Like, you know, like... Pierce and Johnny Gat. Yeah. They're my brothers, basically, in this game. <laughs> like, they, I feel as close to them as I would with Tali Zora from Mass Effect or Morgan from, you know, Dragon Age. <laughs> They're, the other people in your party are very clearly defined. They are developed characters, and you, like, you actually care what happens to them as the yeah. storyline progresses. Let's dive into that a little bit. I mean, does a persistent party that follows you through the storyline, is that more of a requirement as we're going forward with RPGs? I would agree. I would agree with that. You eliminate a lot of games yes. by saying that. No, no, no. I'm saying going forward. Does it yeah. pair up with the idea of what an RPG is as opposed... Not saying it's... From from all, everything that we've said, there's a lot of things that we can say define what we would consider an RPG. A party of people isn't what you would consider a GTA game. Can you I would consider it a a, the word party? Because that that's the limiting factor. How would you define A consistent it? cast of characters. Okay, yes. Let's say that. A consistent cast of characters. I will agree that's a okay. much better definition of it. Yeah. Most games, though, it is your party, per se. In, in a lot of them, it is. But, yes. but like again, I go back to games like Watch Dogs. You only play one person. But it does have a consistent cast. But it has cast. a consistent cast of characters. Um, you know, and things like that. So I think that's that's kind of why there's a difference. And then we can also touch on a game that barely has any, like, for example, Shadows of Mordor. Right. Where you're just basically one person throughout the entire game. Um, given I haven't beat it yet, um, but I'm about three, four hours in, I would say. Yeah, and I would say that that's an action RPG. And that's that. maybe that's another thing. Maybe mm-hmm. we're branching off into so many different styles of RPGs that... It's become so convoluted as how do you define it? You've got JRPGs, you've got Western RPGs, you've got action RPGs, stealth yeah. adventure RPGs. Like no, we're not. No, Creed? that your advocacy <laughs> for Assassin's Creed is just falling on deaf ears right now. I'm just going to say, if stealth is a major mode of play for the game, I really feel like once you throw that in as a major method of how the game should be played. It pulls itself out of doing RPG. I'll point this out, though. You can play through Assassin's Creed without barely having to go stealth the entire time. You can. And Which you can do that I, in honestly, most other I games. like doing it more, just kind of going out there and just going on a murder rampage. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a the hard time... learning about Dan. Like, <laughs> the only reason that I can say that Deus Ex is an RPG is because of the interactions and the choices that you can make in those interactions. Mm-hmm. But if it was based strictly on the gameplay, I would have a hard time saying Deus Ex is an RPG. Because of the fact that, you know, it'd be like you'd have to say then, oh, Metal Gear Solid is an RPG series, which I think everyone here, I would hope, can agree it's not. No. Um, so... You know, again, it's it's. 
I think that we can sit here and try to define base qualifiers for an RPG. I think one of the things that we haven't talked about is the thematic elements, right? There are very specific thematic elements, generally speaking, that fall in line with RPG. Fantasy, future, sci-fi, you know, all those kinds of things. Those are very typical RPG-based things. Um, it's not a it's not an eliminator. It's not a qualifier. It's just something we commonly see. Where does time play into an aspect of an RPG? When you think RPG, you think a heavy investment of hours into the game. Let's just put it this way. Like I was saying before, prior to the podcast recording, I have put 200 hours into my latest playthrough of Dragon Age Inquisition. 200 hours! Just so I could accomplish everything and explore everything. Is that something that would be a qualifier into an RPG? That if you reach... Eight hours. Is that an RPG? Is it 20 hours? Not in the way that games are made now. Because there is a minimum expected amount of time based on money. I'll say, people flip out when a game is short. The most recent... The Order! The Order. Yes. (laughs) I was going to say, that's the most recent example that comes to mind. The best five-hour movie money can buy. (laughs) I will say, though, the last... I haven't played that. The last one that I played that comes to mind, and this is an RPG, but as far as... I'm just going to... Because I know as soon as I say the game name, you're like, you think that's an RPG? No, I don't. Assassin's Creed, you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> is uh, Star Wars The Force Unleashed 2. Oh, it's a great game. Yes, short but game. it was only three to four hours long. It's a short game. Yeah. It was more like an expansion pack to The Force Unleashed 1. Point being, most people have an expectation to the length of the game. RPGs... It's even more so. You expect it to be much longer than your average game. Like I would say at, at a bare minimum, <laughs> in a, a game that is considered an RPG out of the box, you are looking at minimum 20 hours. I would even say longer than that. but and th- So this is where I will go with Don and say... That is a Western versus Eastern thing. Agreed. Because if, if we're you playing JRPG, Eastern games, you are looking at a minimum of 35 to 40 hours. Yes. So, I, would, I would have said 30. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, like, that's it. You know it. Like, there's no way that you walk into one of those JRPGs without going, I'm in it for at least 30 hours. There's, like, no way around it. You can't speed through it. I mean, you could with maybe sticking through the main storyline and not doing any side missions, but we all know that you can't beat the game without doing side missions mm-hmm. in a JRPG, so you have to do at least 30 hours. But um, same thing with Grand Theft Auto, I mean, it's just whatever. And I'll say, I spent a good 11 to 12 hours alone in my first playthrough of Dragon Age, which I just finished yesterday, in the Hinterlands. 11 to 12 yes. hours alone in the yes. first area. Yeah. yeah. I have opinions about the Hinterlands that I shared with Bioware. It was like it took forever. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. I loved it. I loved it. It was. I mean, it was fine. But at some point, I got sick of being in the hinterlands, and I'm like, <laughs> that's your choice. Else, yeah. That's your choice. I love the fact that they even said themselves when the game first came out, like, "Is anyone going to leave the hinterlands?" Yes. <laughs> Patrick Weeks said he could have gone on for days and days and days with the hinterlands. I sat. I basically set up shop at the Bioware base at Pax East, but yeah. the, he was like, "Yeah." He's like, "I could put more stuff in the hinterlands," and they're like, "Don't." <laughs> Stop. I, also, I don't know the expansion pack, Bioware, that are Dragon Age, Inquisition. The expansion is Hinterlands. You wanted some more. <laughs> we I, can't get Patrick to know, shut up. I don't know how much a spoiler alert this is, but there, everyone should know there's a dragon in the Hinterlands. <gasps> oh my there's god. There's dragons in Dragon Age? By the way, I still haven't even killed all the dragons. Neither have I. 
But I, when I was a lower level, I stumbled across it. No, no, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, let me keep exploring. Look at the little drakes. Why is there a big one? That, Running away. It tends to be how you come upon dragons. So there was a there was a quest line in Dragon Age Inquisition. I won't say which one for spoilers. Don, you may need earmuffs for this. But I thought that there was one type of dragon that I was supposed to kill. Turns out it was just like a little whelp that I had to go kill. And so I spent like ten hours trying to kill this big fucking white dragon. And as it turned out, all I had to do was go like yep. three feet this way, and there's this like little whelp one that I was able to I knock know exactly out. Exactly what you're talking about yeah. too. And I remember completing it, going, "Wait, that was it." <laughs> Can I just say there are too many dragons in the new Dragon Age? No, there's not. No, wait, I completely disagree. The name is Dragon, Dragon Age. Age. Yes, it's but like, Dragon Age. I okay, I get it. <laughs> but like, so first of all, in the second one, there are. None, I believe. Flemeth shows up as a dragon, I think. Yes. Unless you kill There is a dragon to fight in, in the second one. There is. I okay. cannot remember where, but I remember fighting it. Right. Yeah, because it wasn't in the beginning. In the first one, there's two. The Archdemon and Flemeth. Depending on which one you... You don't have to go after Flemeth. Right, yes. You can right. just talk her off a cliff. Because every time I tried to, I always died. <laughs> so, like, again, I, I guess my thought is, and again, this is we're way out of tangent at this point, but... I think they were more significant when they were less. Um, so I love dragons. <laughs> oh, I do too. Those are my thoughts about dragons. I personally felt that they were very well balanced. That it wasn't just oh look another dragon. It was like all oh, right another dragon. Like Skyrim is dragon, 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 dragon. Yeah, yeah. and I'm gonna some, punch. At some point, you're just like cheat mode, dead. Never played Skyrim. Cheat and the mode, dead. other, the other thing, about have no desire to play what? Skyrim. The other, say it. Just so real quick, in regards to the Skyrim dragons versus the Dragon Age Inquisition dragons, there was always a different style of dragon in Dragon Age Inquisition. They, you were not fighting the same one. Freaking lightning dragon. Yes. There was, there was always, you always had to fight it, lose, and then change how you had different party members or different equipment to beating it. At least from my personal experience, I had to change up my mage or change up my... Armor or whatever weapon I was using. Or you just be the knight enchanter and just go, whoosh, yeah. whoosh, whatever. Drop everything, grab the iron ball, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I just say also for Dragon Age Inquisition, since we're, we're already in it at this point, I really miss healing magic. I really do. And the thing is, is that it wasn't, I don't think it was in the second one. Mm. It, no. You know, it was obviously in the first one. It was a pretty important point. Um, yeah, I just really miss it a lot. Um, I think just from a strategy perspective and everything else, like, provided you have different problems to deal with now because you have four people who are actively doing things rather than one being designated healer. But I just think that they just uh, totally eliminated an archetype. Like, we'll have to have a further discussion of Dragon Age. Yes. Yes. And once Don finishes the game. Once yes. Don finishes once the, I game. Finish once the game. Stay tuned for a Dragon Age podcast where I will... I'd at least sit by and listen to these guys talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but we wanted to talk about what did we want to talk Alistair about? for president. RPC thematic elements, right? Is yeah. That yeah. What our topic was. We were also gonna talk about open world. That was the one. Oh, oh there yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. How is there ever an open world that's too open? Yes. Don? <laughs> Don's world. Um, no. So this is a this is a limitation of thought investment that you want to put in a game. That is where this comes down. Right? So I think that this is kind of where you look at the Elder Scrolls series as a whole. If you love it, which 
majority of people do. It is because they are able to write, you are able to write your own story. You are doing it as you play the game. For me, maybe this is just because I'm stupid and don't have the mental capacity or desire to put into a game. Let the I want... that column is shaping. You said yes. <laughs> I want a story presented to me. And you can do that in the Elder Scrolls games, but that is not the intention of the game. The intention of the game is for you to write your own story. It's, it's more or less intended as a guide for your first playthrough, as opposed to if you're familiar with the storyline, you're like, yeah, the storyline will always be here, but then you've also got these, do I want to become the head of the Assassin's Guild? Do I want to become the Archmage? Do I want to become the head of the Thief's Guild? I became the Archmage. To kind of and I, to kind of go along with that as well, and this is something that kind of goes back to D and D. All right, so like I think about playing a D and D game, and um, it's an open world. You can do whatever you want, and when you have a group of players, those players are going to very much help dictate how that game's going to run. I've been in games where the party dictates what happens. We go and do whatever we want, and screw the dungeon master because we just go off and do crazy things and they have to keep up with the players and that's fine that's a great experience there are also games much like the one that i'm currently running as a dungeon master where i am writing the story and the party's more or less along for the ride um it it's a different experience it's a very different experience in game but the way i think about it at least from the aspect of creating your own story like for me i want someone else to see this like what crazy stuff i'm doing like i i would not get personal satisfaction from for example being the head of the assassin's guild or something like that so i guess that's probably why i don't like these kind of games i'm i'm curious why have you not played skyrim because i've played oblivion and i know a lot of people will go I, off and tell me Oblivion. And so a lot of people say they loved Oblivion. I hated Oblivion. I got in about 20 hours and I said, I don't give a shit. I respectfully I, I disagree. Gave, I gave, <laughs> and, and, I, no, we are in the minority. In. I've never finished it either. Okay, so the majority of people love Oblivion. But I can tell you right now, when I played Skyrim, it all changed. Like, I had played um, whatever 3 is. Morrowind. Uh, Morrowind, which I did love. Yeah. But then I didn't like Oblivion, and then I played Skyrim. In Skyrim, I go, this is it. Like, they finally got what everything... Like, they did everything that was right in Morrowind, everything that I kind of liked in Oblivion, and they made it better. And I believed on that, yes, there is that open world. Yes, you can go off and fight a dragon and a giant and do whatever the fuck you want. But there is a very clear, defined story, and they do give you the choices to say... Guess what? Over there in the east, if you wanted to learn magic, you could. If you wanted to be a thief, there's this thing. But you do not have to. Yes. Ever once. Right. Like, there is a story that drives you through the entire thing that you can just go and and you can make it. And it's not even that hard. It's a lot of fun. My I think first, you like it. My first playthrough, the Archmage side story, like the whole College of, what was it, Winterhold? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, was the only major side story that I did. Other than that, I barely did too much side story in my first playthrough and just chugged through on the main quest line. And you can get through that game, I would say, in 40 hours by just going through it. Yeah. And, I mean, it's when you go off where shit gets really, you know, that's when you start doing things more. But I think that you would really like it because you you don't have to do anything. Here's my thing. So, I hated Oblivion. Oh, yeah, that's And I did not care for Morrowind either. Um, 
I approached, I mean, I paid very close attention to Skyrim, the reviews, and I've seen people play it, and I've watched people play the game. It's boring to me. It just, it feels, it just does not feel compelling, it just kind of drags. I look at a game like, and I'll, I'll compare it to something a little bit more modern, so I'll look at like um, Shadows of Mordor, right? In terms of like the way the open world is, and like it's not huge, it's not a huge open world, it's a defined space, but it is an open world, and there's stuff going on all around you all the time. When I saw somebody playing Skyrim, there's a lot of open space, there's a lot of like having to do X, Y, and Z, it's not constantly engaging. And so that's where I think that you have to put in the personal investment to stay engaged. I will say that's the fault of a lot of open world games where they have that open space that you're just walking for like five minutes to get somewhere. And this is going to create some controversy, but along to Casey's point, something like GTA V. I'm just going to this an example. It has an open world where something's going on every which way you look. And leading into that with the same process, that's where I think Red Dead Redemption did the open world perfectly. You were on a horse for a real long time to get over from the United States to Mexico. Understood. You're in a very beautiful in the music and everything else, so every time I had to do it, I was like, this is a cool ride, but yes. this is taking a long-ass time I, I to get to Mexico. But the thing is, there, the it's not happening so much in terms of, everything's happening now, where on this city corner there's this happening, yeah. on that city corner there's something else happening. But when something does happen, in Red Dead Redemption, it's something that's out of the norm. And it's not at always the same spot. It's at this random spot, that random spot. It's a re- it's probably the most, in my opinion, realized world, which can make you feel like it is more of an RPG than something like Grand Theft Auto, because it's a more realized world, a more realistic one, which, again, may not fit with a lot of other styles of RPGs and so forth. But I'm just going off of what yeah. Dan had said, I just feel that that's, if we're on the open world aspect, Red Dead Redemption in my opinion is the game that got it right out of any other game out there. Why don't we kind of talk about that then? What aspects make a game right? I mean, talk about a good size open world, but what other aspects would you put in your perfect RPG? <laughs> um, Nobuo Uematsu. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who may not be familiar with who that person is, he is the composer that wrote the music for Final Fantasy VI, seven, eight, nine, ten. So let's put that. Music. Music is a very <laughs> important aspect of a good RPG. I don't know, I loved the soundtrack for Dragon Age. You, as my co-workers, saw me listening to it almost daily for about a good two or three months. I still listen to probably at least one of those songs a day, and the dawn will come, that scene. Yes. yes. Oh my god, I love that scene. I, I really cry. And it, how it leads into the sky hole yes. reveal. It's perfect. Listening to those two songs back to there. back. Okay. Listening to those two songs back to back is wonderful. Yeah. Going back... I need to find my save file from right before that because I want to go back and record that scene with my character in it. It's on YouTube. Well, again, it comes back to the same point where you're invested in the character you build, which I love when you have RPGs that have your character that you customize in cutscenes because that makes it more your game than anything else. That's why I want to go back and actually use my PS4 to record that cutscene with my character in it. 
Because I think, and this is a completely different conversation, is that RPGs are a form sometimes of escapism. Because you make your character the way that you want to be. And um, this was kind of alluded to by Bioware at some of the panels that I went to, particularly for LGBTQ characters, transgender characters who might be not able to go through transition, but they're able to represent themselves more accurately by going through these games as opposed to giving a predetermined character. And as a female gamer, like when I found Bioware and I found Bethesda games, holy crap, I can have a character who looks exactly like me and makes snarky comments like I do and has like you know, the, these experiences. So, I, I... The nice thing about RPGs and games that borrow heavily from RPGs as escapism. And, and that's where... I'm sorry, just to kind of go on a tangent there when you're talking about that, all I can think of in that moment was we call it residual self-image, and I'm thinking more <laughs> should be standing in front of us right now as we hear that sentence. Anyway, Don? Um, so to kind of go right along, like there's there's multiple forms of escapism too, right? So there is the idea of where you can be, so you can create a character that reflects you in another world, right? You can also be someone else, completely different. Um, and, you know, and I think that's another major aspect of RPGs, um, particularly older ones, but also some new ones as well, um, where you are playing those already predetermined characters and you're being someone completely different than yourself, you know, or things like that. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. And I think you made a really good point. I think that's why a lot of us don't consider GTA to be an RPG. It is a very modernized, real, realistic um, kind of, by the way. right, yeah, so realistic creation of L.A., I mean, the most recent one in particular, um, with a lot of, you know, winks and nudges towards modern society, um, and I think that that, it, it, it doesn't feel like you're escaping. What would you classify day. it? Yes. What would, what's the classification you would put on GTA Five? I think it's part, like, I think simulation is a valid term to throw in there. I don't think it's a simulation game, but it's part simulation, it's part action, it's, you know... A little tiny bit of adventure as well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's bits and pieces of everything. To say that it doesn't have any RPG elements would be a lie. There's absolutely elements of RPG. To my point earlier, a lot of modern games now have an aspect of an RPG. Absolutely. I'd call it actuation. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Absolutely. <laughs> if I can just kind of go back to a little bit of Jackie's point as well, um, a lot of times when games have more robust character creation or character customization that plays towards more minorities more, a lot of times it causes a large amount of controversy. But it is still very important to have that inclusiveness as well. Right. And I think that you're seeing a lot more, so you're seeing also in games like Dragon Age or... Mass Effect, where they're also exploring the sexuality aspect of it, the fact that you could have same-sex relations and things like that, too. Like, there's a lot of things that are coming in there, too, that, um, you know, part of that is the ability to say, you know, hey, like, this is a real thing and we're acknowledging it. Um, but the other aspect of it is, again, in an effort to try to create a, I guess you could say realistic, but I think more... Um, there's more social aspect of it. I think another big part of RPGs, at least especially in Western, more specific, is they do a lot more of exploration of relationships in general. Um, I, you do see that in, in you know Japanese RPGs and things like that, but it's part of the story. 
the, the whole relationship building and that aspect is part of the story, where I feel like in the Western ones, it's explored by the player, as opposed to it being necessarily inherently written. And um, I think also the fact that a lot of the character development in Western games in particular are important to the story as well. I know, Don, you haven't played through Mass Effect, so I'm not going to say too much to the point, but a lot of the character development, depending on what choices you make for characters or what characters you interact with, can have a great impact on the storyline. So I know at least there was one more thing that I wanted to talk about before we kind of pieced out here, and that's kind of where RPGs are going and some kind of newer trends. One of the biggest ones that I'm seeing coming out in a lot of games, especially coming out this year and the next, is that we are giving the controls over to a human player to play the villain. Um, Whether that be in a game like Fable Legends, which is coming out, where that's a very short-term, hey, plan this very small adventure for four players to go through, and you actively interact with that, to the far extreme, where there's another game coming out called Sword Coast Legends, which is coming out for PC, that's being co-developed-ish with um, Wizards of the Coast. Um, It's based on 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons, and you're going to be able to create entire massive campaigns using these assets um, in the game, which is a really neat idea. we're seeing tabletop role-playing, as a general rule, move into the online space with applications like Roll20, where dungeon masters can create a lot of digital content to play with their players. Um, but this is kind of taking that to the next step. We talked about how, where did RPGs come from, and particularly in the West. It was players playing Dungeons & Dragons who wanted to put it in the game. Well, we're kind of seeing that now coming from the other end of the spectrum where they're literally bringing Dungeons and Dragons. It's almost full circle. Right, yeah. exactly. So, um, but I think the biggest aspect that a lot of players have acknowledged um, of this is that we've never given the role of the Dungeon Master to a player. And now they're starting to think about how to do that. So I think that's a really neat idea. I'm curious to see how well it's going to be executed. Um, Creation tools is something that people would will love to mess around with. It'll also be a big turnoff to a lot of players, for sure, without pre-generated content. So, you know, it'll be very interesting to see where that goes. Um, but it's, it's an exciting time for this kind of stuff, where you're getting a lot more freedom, and you can start really writing your own stories. I was just going to make a side comment. Don, I know you hate Borderlands, but... Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep is straight up Dungeons and Dragons. I heard and it is spectacular. <laughs> so if you do nothing else in your life and you play nothing else in Borderlands 2, just play Tiny Tina's Bust Assault on Dragon Keep. It's amazing. It was it was two K's way of saying, yes, we can be an RPG. And also look at the money we should have used for Aliens Colonial Marines for, you know, a game that was not funded for that. But that's my other soapbox. Aww. Aww. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. All right, well... Um, Sorry, it was Gearbox, not 2K. My bad. Yeah. Gearbox. Hey, but they made a really great Duke Nukem game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we ended on a high note. <laughs> so, uh, anyone have any other last words to talk about RPGs and video games? I think at this point, from everything that we've talked about, there really is no definition. No, it doesn't <laughs> seem that way. There really isn't. It's we we have so many different cultures 
and so many different genres of RPGs that it's very difficult to nail down exactly what defines something as an RPG. And as games evolve, I feel like all the different styles are just going to blend together. Action, RPG, simulator, shooters, they're going to be conglomerates of each other. And we won't be able to define them by the same roles we did the last 5, 10, 20 years. So that's really what we're coming down to at this point. The big mishmash of everything. <laughs> so uh, this has been our role-playing game talk. Um, you can check out our other great podcast um, either on don'tforgettotell.com. There's those geeks you know, uh, The Pursuit of Plastic, our toy hunting one. Uh, there's also uh, the Gourmet Scum Radio. Um, check us out on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Um, and we're also on Twitter and Instagram with a bunch of news and that kind of fun stuff too. So this is Casey saying goodbye. We'll go around. See you later. This is Dan. Thanks, Dan. You're welcome. <laughs> this is Jackie. Until next time. This is Colin, a.k.a. GamerSense, saying peace. This is Don. You can find me at, at LastUrsa on Twitter. Oh, uh, you're that guy. Also, no, he's, it's fine. I'm going to go ahead and promote... Do you guys that. have any music you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Are you in any bands? Uh, any Colin shows? I'm, I'm also going to shamelessly plug my um, my blog, which is Harmonious Geek, uh, which I do... Uh, I'll put a link in the, in the liner notes. Other things as well. And um, I'm going to end with saying Borderlands is a terrible game. And series. <laughs> Am I the one here who doesn't have... A- <laughs> Bigger presence online. Oh, yeah. By the way, Gamersense, you can find me on youtube.com forward slash Gamersense. Right now we're just doing some unboxings, but we're uh, working to do some more original content coming up, so be sure to check that action out. So it's, you're saying the answer is yes. I'm so to answer Dan's question, he has no official internet presence whatsoever. <laughs> and I write on Don't Forget a Towel and some other places on the internet, but mostly Don't Forget a Towel. <laughs> So do I. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. See you guys. Bye.